chapter 1. We had a great first service and really saw some breakthrough, really felt some breakthrough uh, at the altar. And we'll have a chance after this service is over to come down and, or at your seat or wherever you want to do it. But get, get uh, an answer to the situation you're going through this morning. And we're going to talk about a word that is four letters that's not a cuss word, but it's a bad word. And it's called fear. And it's a, it's a word that paralyzes too many people in the kingdom of God. And so we're going to do this by the time the service is over. We're going to defeat worry and fear. How many believe we can defeat it this morning? Amen? We're not going to allow fear to paralyze us. Fear is paralyzing. And, and, and I could go around the room this morning and ask people, what are you afraid of? Everybody has something that they're afraid of. But the problem is, is a lot of times fear is not just something... We're afraid of it's something that really paralyzes us, really causes us to not do what God wants us to do in our lives. And, and fear a lot of times is this, and you've heard me say this before. I didn't make this up, but I really believe it. It's false evidence that appears real. How many have noticed that in your life, right? You, you're afraid of something, and it doesn't mean it's not a legitimate fear, but how many times are we afraid of something, but that fear is really something that hasn't even happened? How many times have we been afraid of something, worried about something, and said, what if? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? And I started thinking of some of the things that can be what ifs. How many are afraid of animals, some animals? Let me, let me give you an example of how many are afraid of sharks. Some of you are saying, I'm not afraid of shark because I don't go in the water, so I don't have to worry about it. But a lot of people are afraid of sharks. How many people are afraid of snakes? We got those here, right? Uh... Rats, my daughter would be lifting both her hands. Bears, like I don't go out in the wild. Some of you are like, I, got this pro- I ain't got this problem, but see snakes you got, right? How about spiders? Don't like spiders too much, okay? Those are all legitimate fears. Let me, let me tell you something that's crazy and give you an example of how we can fear something that we can't even control and we shouldn't even be afraid of things and we think of things that scare us that, that don't, might not ever happen. One person a year dies from a shark. One person. That's not very much. As many people go in the water, only one person dies from a shark attack a year. Now, it doesn't mean only one person gets hurt, but one person dies. One person a year dies from a bear attack. That's pretty low, right? And so if, you, if you're in here this morning, you're going, man, I'm, I'm afraid of sharks. I'm afraid of bears. It's very unlikely that you're ever going to die from a bear or a shark. Okay? How many, how many are afraid of flying? Let me see your hand. A little bit afraid of flying? You have a 1 in 11 million chance of dying in a plane. Like you're much more dangerous and at risk this morning driving to church in this, in this, in this state of Texas. How many are afraid, or sorry, not afraid, snakes. We go back to snakes. Snakes do kill people, but only six people die a year from snake bites. Okay? So one for shark, one for bear. How about Alligators. Crocodiles, those kind of things, right? Not too fond of those. Only one person dies a year from alligators. So, so all those things that we fear, I mean, there's 275, 300 million people in the United States, and only one person dies from all those things. So it's not going to be you. Tell the person next to you, it's not going to be you. Amen. You're not in the movie. But check this out. Spiders kill seven people a year, so it's a little higher. Okay, spider bites. This is going to blow you away. Let me ask you this. How many of you are afraid of cows? Cows. Not very many hands. Cows aren't scary, but watch this. 
cows kill 20 people a year. Yeah. So you are more likely to die from a cow than you are from a spider bite or a snake bite or in a plane or a bear or a spider or any of those things. So you see how we can be afraid of something that's probably never going to happen and then something that could actually kill us might we should be a little more afraid of, right? Isn't that wild? But that's how our mind is. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 and realize where, God, where fear comes from. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So whenever you're afraid, it is not from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But what has God given us? Sound mind, power, and love. Power, love, sound mind. That's what God wants us to walk in. He wants us to walk in power. He wants us to walk in a sound mind. And he wants us to walk in love. Nowhere in there is fear equated. He says, if it's fearful, it is not from me. So the next time you begin to get scared about something, you recognize this is not, this is not from God. This is a fear from the devil, and I'm not going to allow this to get me. Amen? About three or four years ago, what made me think of this is Carl and I, maybe some of you have heard the story, went to San Diego for our anniversary. We flew over there for a couple days and went to the zoo. They say it's one of the best zoos in the whole United States, the San Diego Zoo. And so we were walking around looking at stuff, and how many like giraffes? I don't have a stout on how many people die from giraffes, but I think they're an amazing animal, very cool, and super tall. They can get up from to 15 to 20 feet tall. So you're looking at close to the ceiling up here where giraffes could, could stand in this place of that height. We're getting closer to the giraffes, and, and, I, and I look at these humongous, majestic animals that eat 75 pounds of, of, of uh, leaves a day and stand 15 to 20 feet tall, and there was a three-foot wall between us and the giraffes. Just a three-foot wall. Now, there was a distance between that wall and the giraffes, but the three-foot wall is all that stood between me and those 15 to 20-foot giraffes. And I told Carl, that's crazy. And I started thinking, how in the world do those giraffes stay in there? Well, guess what? Giraffes are afraid of heights. How stupid does that sound? We need to realize that when we are fearful of things that we cannot control, it's, we're like a giraffe. And that giraffe that's 15 to 20 feet tall could easily step over that three-foot wall and walk in freedom. But he's afraid he'll fall if he, if he lifts his foot up over two feet. And the reason is, is when a giraffe is born, they fall like six or seven feet from their mother's womb and hit the ground. And they're like, I don't ever want that to happen again. So for the rest of their lives, giraffes are, are stuck and not able to move around, and they can't step over a three-foot wall because they live in fear. Isn't that wild? That's a picture this morning of how a lot of us are as believers. We walk in fear. We're, we're afraid of things we shouldn't be afraid of. Uh, Songs of Solomon. Solomon was a wise man. He said in, in Songs of Solomon chapter 2, verse 15, Catch the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. I mean, no, it's a lot of times the little fears we got to grab, the little ones, the little ones that lead up to the bigger ones. And, and we have to catch those things and grab them and not allow them to grow. For example, you, you, you feel, the other day I was, I was putting some lotion on my arm and I felt a little knot. You can like feel a little knot. You're like, oh, it's not supposed to be there. And then your mind starts going, I bet I have cancer. Right? Like you go from a knot to cancer. That's what your mind does, Right? 
That's not supposed to be there. And, and is anybody else like that? I'm the only one that ever thinks that this kind of stuff. Our minds are crazy, right? They, 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 they magnify things. And then if you think about this, the word in that second Timothy is from the Greek neuma, which means it's literally from the devil. So when he says God has not given us a spirit of fear, he is saying God has not given us a spirit from the devil. How many people today are not doing what God wants them to do for the Lord because they're afraid? How many people are not succeeding in their lives because they're living in fear and they're allowing fear to paralyze them in in their lives? Amen? So it's a negative spirit that preys on the mind of the people of God. That's why Paul said we, we don't have to have that fear. We don't have to walk in that fear. Go to Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to show you how old the spirit of fear is. Fear is not something new. Fear has been around a long time. And actually, when you think about Adam and Eve, we know they sinned. And we know that they disobeyed what God told them to do. But fear was the very first spirit out of, out, after disobedience that came on the earth. I mean, there's anger. There's violence. There's murder. There's lust. There's jealousy. There's all these spirits that... Uh, that can attack us, but fear is the first one. It says, so he said, this is after Adam and Eve had fallen, and God is like, hey, Adam, where are you at? How many know that story? And it's not that God didn't know where Adam was. It's just that he was asking to see if he'd answer. And he goes, Adam, where are you at? And he says, I said, I heard your voice in the garden, and look, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So if you don't think fear is a real thing, It's the very first spirit that comes on the earth after disobedience. And it caused them to to be in a place where they couldn't, listen, they couldn't even feel like they could talk to God. See, fear will get you to a place where you don't feel like you can communicate with God. And if you get to a place where you feel like you can't communicate with God, you're in trouble. You better not listen to that lie of the devil, amen? The devil's, how many believe the devil's real? And listen, he's one person you need to fear, but not in a fear that he can defeat you, but you need to fear, that, fear him for the fact that he, he ha, he's real and he's ro- like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And one of the ways that he devours us is through fear. It's a powerful thing. Fear can be very paralyzing because it gains a foothold in our minds. As I begin to talk about this and I begin to minister on the spirit of fear, many of you, maybe I didn't mention yours, snakes and lions and bears and, and, and these different things. Maybe yours is something else, but you have something that tries to grip you and get a hold of you. And, and, and a, a close cousin to fear is worry. Can you say amen? I want to look real quick at Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to, sorry, Mark chapter 4, my bad, Mark chapter 4, because I want to show you what happens. This is very important. How many many obviously want to live a life without fear? I don't think we have to be too smart to want that, right? We want to live that life. There's a way to live that life without fear, and it has to do with the word of God, okay? We have to have the word of God in us. But when the word comes, so as I'm preaching this morning, and I'm telling you verses, and I'm telling you about the things of God, seeds are being sown right now. Seeds are coming to your spirit. And God wants those seeds to do something in your life. But what happens when we have fear is the seeds are destroyed. It says some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it 
and it yielded no crop. And then we look at 18 and 19, and it says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, so we hear the word, but then the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things, look, begin to choke the word out, and it becomes unfruitful. So God has spoken something over your life. God has a plan for your life. God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. God wants to do all these great things in your life, but you're, you're not allowing that to happen because you're allowing the spirit of fear to choke out the word of God in your life. We've got to make sure that the word of God is strong. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 6. I want to read this this morning because this is really important. Jesus said something really, really clear here in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, verse 25, watch this. Therefore I say to you. Now this is kind of goes back to us being afraid of stuff. How many realize we can't control a lot of things? Right before I read this, I was reading this week that the top 10 things that people are afraid of, and I'm not going to read them all, but I started reading them. They were like the weather, uh, global warming, the ocean, the, the economy, they were saying all these things. How many realize those things I just read off? Yeah, we can't control. You can't control the economy. You can't control the weather. You can't control the ocean. You can't control the water. I know those things are in our control, yet we worry about them. We worry if I'm going to keep my job. We worry if it's going to get too hot or too cold. We worry if the ocean's going to stay pure. We worry about all these things we cannot control. And so Jesus was very wise. How many know Jesus was very wise? He says... Don't worry about your life. Now, when we read that, that doesn't mean we just sit around and do nothing. That's not what he's saying. He says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Watch this, what it continues to say. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? Which of you, here's a question, can, by worrying, can add a cubit to your stature? Meaning, which of you can solve a problem by worrying? If you stare at that bill, you think if you stare at that bill long enough, and you worry long enough, and you get an upset stomach long enough, and you get anxious long enough, it's going to change? Not going to change it. So what good does it do to worry? Let's keep reading. So why, so Jesus says, why do you worry about clothing? And consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is, is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Tell the person next to you, O you of little faith. Right? Don't we lack faith a lot of times? So now tell the person, don't worry. Be happy. Amen. Don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. How many know God knows what we need? But if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things that you need will be added unto you. All these things that you worry about are not going to happen. Verse 34. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
Now, that doesn't mean we don't make a plan for this week. That doesn't mean that we wake up tomorrow and say, Holy Spirit, wind, just blow me where I'm supposed to go. That's not, that's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is, what good is your worrying do? How is it helping you? And why are you worrying about stuff you cannot control? Things that are totally out of your, out of your hands, and, and we worry about them. And we think, what if, what if, what if? You know, I drive <clears throat> from our house about 40 minutes on the freeway, and sometimes I see dead deer on the side of the road. And I think, I could think driving, man, what if one of those deer runs out in front of me and hits the truck or hits my wife's car? What if? But what are the odds of that happening? Can it happen? Yes. Happened to my friend David. <laughs> Going right through Bridgeport, as a matter of fact. Little deer hit him. But that can happen. But since it happened to David, I, need, I just need to drive every day fearful that it's going to happen to me. It's probably never going to happen to me. And if it does happen to me, what can I do? Nothing. There's so many things that go on in our lives that we allow the devil to magnify and make so much bigger. Maybe you're here and you have a family member who had cancer. You had a family member who died of some, some kind of tragic accident and you live in fear that you're going to die that way. How does that help you? It doesn't. It paralyzes you. It causes you to, to, to live a life that's, that God's not wanting you to live. He's causing you to, to walk in, 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 in a state of questioning things. Listen to this quote. This is a powerful quote. Fear is that little dark room where negatives are developed. Let me say that again. Fear is that dark room where negatives are developed. Those negative thoughts that you have, they develop. They develop. When you think about it more and you don't stop it and squash it and, and begin to get the word of God in here, because listen to what Romans 10 says. Most of you know this verse, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? By what the news says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by what your neighbor says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what you see. No, by the word of God. So if we're living in fear... It's probably because we're not getting enough word in us. We need to choke out the fear with the word of God. Listen to this. Fear creates what it fears. Fear creates what it fears. When fear sees that you fear something, that spirit jumps on you and says, I'm going to make this worse. I'm going to make this magnified. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this seem bigger. In the Bible, there's a, there's a mention of the word fear 400 times. Stay with me here. 400 times, in 400 verses, there's a mention of the word fear. So how many know fear is important? 365 of those are fear not. 365, one for every day of the year, says fear not. We should wake up in the morning and say, I'm not going to be afraid. Amen? I'm not going to be afraid. Because I'm telling you, there are people who live this way, and they're, they're living in the constant, what if this happened? What if that happens? What if, you know, it, for, for example, I, I don't like flying. I, I don't, I, once I'm in the plane and we're in the air, I'm good, but I don't like flying, not because of the flight itself, but because I'm a little claustrophobic. And when they shut that door, and I realize I'm 35,000 feet in the air, and I can't open the door, it's a little scary for me because I'm claustrophobic. I don't like to be in closed spaces. But I don't let fear stop me from going to Africa to preach. I didn't let fear stop me from going to Costa Rica to meet my wife and to start a ministry and all the stuff that happened. I don't let fear, it doesn't mean I don't do it afraid. It doesn't mean that I don't pray a lot when I'm going 
Because it, it's, it's a little fear when that door shuts and I realize I can't get out. Especially when the plane's really, really small. Like when it's so small that I have to walk sideways. That's not a godly plane. I mean, that's not right. You're not supposed to make, they should make a plane that everybody, besides Shaq, that everybody, and you know, I think six, five or under is normal. Right? But you're walking down the plane like this, and then when I was in Africa one time, we went on this little safari, and I had to get on a plane that only had eight seats. You have no idea how, how much of a battle that was for me. And I just kept thinking, well, I'm with my pastor, so I got I to gotta man up. I cannot act like I'm afraid. I'm, I got to get on this plane. And when I got on that plane and sat down, the roof was right here. Anybody that's, some, see, some of you aren't claustrophobic. That don't bother you at all. When you're claustrophobic and the roof's right here, yeah, it freaks you out a little bit. Some of you might have problems with heights. Heights don't bother me. I can go as high as you want. Don't bother me. But maybe if, if you're heights, you couldn't stand on this stage. You're like the giraffe. You feel like you're going to fall over. Fear is real, but it's false evidence appearing real. Because I have a 1 in 11 million chance that I'm going to die in a plane, right? The only thing is when you think if I die in a plane, it's not going to be a very good death. Amen. These are real fears. These are things that really, really happen in our lives. And sometimes things happen that don't make sense. The guy, that a pastor that I knew for many years, my dad knew him very well, named Richard Jeffries. He was a missionary. And he, and it did, so, so let me say this again. This doesn't mean that th- bad things can't happen. Because they do. Bad things happen to good people. Has anybody realized that? We live in a real world. We don't live in a divine bubble. Bad things can happen to good people. And I had a friend who was a missionary. He was an older man. He was probably in his 70s when I met him the first time. And he started 122 churches in Central America by himself. 122 churches churches. Me and my dad knew him very well. He would come to our church that I got saved in as, as a young teenager, as a, as a teenager, sorry. And he would, he had, God gave him a, a gift of a secret way to take gold and multiply it. He could take this ring, uh, this isn't gold, but he could take a gold ring and make it into like 10 times more gold out of this gold. And he did it so much that he funded the starting of 122 churches. And I say that because that man, when he died, he died in a horrible tra- tra- traffic accident. He, he got in a horrible accident. When me and Carla went to his funeral, and uh, he, he was dismembered. Parts of his body all over the road. How does that make sense? But you know what? The fear of dying did not cause him to stop doing what God called him to do. What if he'd have been afraid to drive? What if he'd have been afraid and said, man, if I go somewhere, I might get in an accident and die? Well, he wouldn't have started 122 churches. What is it this morning that you're supposed to be doing for God that you're not doing because you're allowing fear to paralyze you? Remember that paralyzed means you can't move. It means you're not going where God wants you to go. You say, hey, I'm a believer and I love God and, I, and all this, but if you're paralyzed, you're not moving. And so you've got to get over the spirit of fear and let God speak to you this morning and break that off and defeat it so you can do what God wants you to do in your life for his kingdom. Amen. How many want to do something for God's kingdom? Got to get over fear. Got to defeat that spirit. Isaiah 58, 11 says, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. 
and strengthen your bones, and you'll be like a watered garden and like a spring of water that does not fail. You know what that picture, that verse means to me? It's like when I see a piece of grass coming through cement. Remember ever seen that, that blade of grass come through cement? You're like, how in the world did grass grow through cement? That's what God wants us to look like. He wants people to look at our lives and maybe be in drought, but we're still growing. We're still fruitful because we're able to, to be like a spring of water whose waters don't fail. Our bones are strengthened even in satisfied, even in drought. Some of you will remember this verse, Psalm 23, 4. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil, no fear. I will no fear evil. I will not allow that spirit to come on me. I will not allow that spirit to control me. I will not allow that spirit to get me. Amen? Because listen, it's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Some of you here this morning, I'm going to put myself on blast. Some of you here this morning are like me. You can allow fears to get a hold of you of things that may never happen. Some of you, you don't even know, you don't even tell anybody about it, but some of you are afraid of something and, and it causes you not to do something because you're thinking, if I do this, well, what if? So I've played sports my whole life. Laura has treated me several times for torn calves and hurt knees and hurt wrists and all these things. I thank God for the last 10 years of free therapy. Amen. I've, I've you know, sprained ankles and all this. So I've played sports my whole life, but I'm, I'm right now at this moment, I'm retired from basketball. I don't play basketball anymore. And I, I'm not saying I won't come out again, but I probably won't. I played in the basketball league last month, and I think that was it. But here's one of the reasons I stopped playing. Besides the fact that Charles Barkley said, Father Time is undefeated. Like, you can't defeat Father Time. You get to a certain age, because see, here's how I play basketball now. Like, I have, I have a lot going on up here. Like, in my mind, I got the ball, I'm going through my legs, I'm spinning, I'm going through the lane, and I'm dunking with my left hand. But my body's at half court. And the ball just got stole from me. See, that's the problem. Like, I'm totally somewhere else in my mind. And one of the reasons that I stopped playing basketball was a fear of tearing my Achilles. Anybody who has played sports understands that fear. It just happened to Kevin Durant in the finals. It just ruined the finals for me. But you know what I'm saying? That's a year recovery. You tear your Achilles. So I told my wife, I can't play no more because I'm afraid. I'm literally afraid. Real fear, putting myself on blast. I'm literally afraid that I tear my Achilles. And if I tear my Achilles, I, I, that's bad at this age. So I stopped playing. But then I realized, and that's okay. It's okay to be wise. It's okay to say, you know what, I'm not. But then I realized, I could sp if my Achilles is going to tear, it's going to tear. Are you all with me? I saw a friend of mine on Facebook who, who ran out the house and forgot something, ran back in the house, ran up his stairs to his bedroom, and tore his Achilles. He wasn't even playing basketball. But see, the reason I'm saying that is, is I can allow fear to come over me of something that has not happened and probably won't happen. But the last few times I played basketball, I got out there, and I was afraid. I let that spirit of fear get me. Now, I still played, but I didn't move like I could. And I just finally said, you know what? I'm just going to stop because if it's going to happen, it's not going to happen on the basketball court. Are you with me? Fear of something is not even going to happen probably, but it's a real fear. 
And those are the kind of things that stop us from doing what God wants us to do. We're afraid of something that hasn't happened. And according to those stats in the beginning, probably won't. Like you don't get on a plane. There's a 1 in 11 million chance you're going to die on a plane, but you won't get on a plane. And that's just an example of many. So David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sometimes we got to do things afraid. When I get on those planes, when I got on that tiny little plane, I was praying in the spirit. I was afraid. There's been times I've been stuck on planes, sitting there for a long time, and I'm praying in the spirit. That's the only thing I can do. But you just do it afraid. You just do it. There was a lot of times that I walked into neighborhoods in Costa Rica that were dangerous, and I was afraid. But I didn't stay home and say, I'm not going to go. I did it afraid. Too many people are paralyzed by fear. What if, what if the person who reached out to you and told you about Jesus would have been afraid to share their faith with you? You wouldn't be saved. Doesn't mean they weren't afraid. Doesn't mean they weren't scared. Did you know, you want to hear something crazy? Did you know in the stats again of what's, what people fear, did you know that public speaking is one, of the, is one of the most feared things? Like I do that all the time. I don't, get, I don't get afraid to get up here to speak in front of you. I get up here afraid to speak because I'm speaking God's word. But like I'm not afraid to talk in front of people, but 75% of Americans are scared to death of standing in public speaking. Some of you are like, that's me. That's me. But you won't even acknowledge it because you don't want to be looked at. <laughs> right? You're scared to death of someone calling on you and saying, hey, like at the dinner table, hey, you pray. I love doing that to people. Psalm 91. How many heard that one? Let's read Psalm 91. I'm going to read the first four verses, and I'm not sure if they're in, in the computer. So just leave that for a second. I'm going to read these four. Listen, okay? Sometimes you've got to listen, not just look. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will not, sorry, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Say this with me. My God, in him will I trust. My God, in him will I trust. We've got to learn to trust God. We've got to get to a place where we realize God is in control. Even if I tear my Achilles, even if I get a deer that hits my truck, even if I get stuck in an elevator, even if I get stuck on a plane, even if the bills are more than I can pay, I'm going to trust God. Because fear is not helping me. Fear is not doing anything but false evidence appearing real. You think if you stare at that bill long enough, it's going to change. It's not going to change. But you can, you know what? Circumstances, listen, do not affect the word of God. Do you realize that? Circumstances do not affect the word of God. But the word of God affects circumstances. Can I say this over here? Did you hear that? Your circumstances, the things you go through, your bills, your sicknesses, your fears, do not change the word of God at all. That word's not going to change right there. You should not be afraid of the terror by night nor the air that flies by day. That word's not going to change no matter what you do. But that word will change your circumstances. That word will change your circumstances. It'll change the way you look at things. It'll change how you fear. Amen. So there's three-pronged defense I want to close with. Three things that we need to do. 
And it goes back to Acts, or sorry, 2 Timothy. We need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to love God. Amen. And we need to have a sound mind. We need to understand that this thing right here is the battle, the playground of the devil. Right here, the mind. This is where the devil works. This is where the devil, how many have ever had somebody, have, had you thought somebody was mad at you? You thought someone was upset with you, and they weren't. But you in your mind, you know, thought, I've said that before, like, like you're looking back at the other side of the church, and you wave at somebody, and they don't wave back at you because they're looking somewhere else. And you, for the next two months, you're like, they don't like me. You're afraid, and you're fearful that, you, that they don't like you, or whatever. And it's not even the case. Our minds are powerful things. We've got to learn to control those things. We've got to learn to control our minds. Because most of the things we fear are not going to happen. Let me close with one verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. How many would like to live a, a, a life that is saturated by the word of God? The word of God is your absolute source. That the word of God is, is what you go to. Now stay with me for a second and be honest in yourself. You don't have to answer me. But how many times do we face a problem, face a fear, face a situation, and God's the last person that hears about it? How many times do we, do we need to pray, but we go talk to someone about it? We go talk about it. We think about it. We fear it. But we don't deal with it. We don't pray about it. We don't take it to the Lord. We need to have a life that is saturated by the word of God. Because our mind is the devil's playground. So watch what it says here. We have to cast down. So that sound mind thing means I have to do something. When a thought comes into my mind, I have to cast it down. I have to say no, fear. No, that's not coming in. No, anger. That's not going to take over me. I'm not going to allow this, this fear to destroy me. We cast it down. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every spirit. Remember that this fear is spirit. And bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay? Everything has to be brought into obedience. Everything has to be brought into captivity. You know why that noise is making today? Because the devil lives in the sound system. And that spirit is fears is trying to get out, get at us through the sound system. It's not Chris's fault because he's an awesome sound person. It's the devil. He's mad. He's trying to, he's trying to get out of here because he knows he's going to get cast out anyways. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give place to the devil. Musicians, you can come this morning. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. How many believe that? He will flee. We need, we need to, to realize this. I, I was reading this stat. This is an interesting stat. TV. So we're talking about a word-saturated life. This is my last thought. We need a word-saturated life. But did you know that the average American watches 35 hours of TV a week? 35 hours of TV. So how much words getting in there? The average American looks at the computer for 24 hours a week. The average American is on their cell phone texting or calling 15 hours a week. The average American is on social media 17 hours a week. So add all those hours together, add sleep in, how much time is left for God? 
Ooh, it got quiet in here. That's all of us. We got to be more in the word. Amen. We got to be more in the word. Are the musicians coming? Okay. I don't see them. I, I, I can't play. I'm going to try. All right. I really want to. I do. I want to. Didn't sound very good. Amen. Bow your heads this morning. Father, we want, we want to live in dominion and not fear, Father. Lord, we don't want to allow the spirit of, that paralyzes us to come on our lives and lie to us and deceive us this morning, Father. Lord, I know that in this place there are men and women, there are teenagers, there are people here who are battling false evidence that appears real this morning. Lord, we know that the devil is a liar. He magnifies. He makes things bigger than they are. He makes things seem bigger than they are. And, Lord, today we want to take authority over that. We want to defeat that spirit today. And we want to declare that the word of God is that two-edged sword, sharper than than any two-edged sword that can divide bone and marrow, soul and spirit. They can come into our lives and destroy the works of the enemy. I pray this morning, Father, that you do something supernatural in the minds of these people today. God, that you'd open up a door to our hearts and our spirits, Lord, that would cause us to know this morning that the fear that we have is not of you, that it is a spirit that we can take authority over. You said in your word that you've given us power over demons. You've given us power to trample on serpents and scorpions. And this morning we declare that over this congregation, over these people, over these lives this morning, that people are going to leave this morning victorious over fear because there's a call on people's lives. There's a call on men and women here to do something more for you. But fear has us paralyzed. Fear has us worrying. What if? What if? What if? What if I witness to somebody and they reject me? Well, I say, what if you witness to somebody and they accept it? What if I pray for someone at work that's sick, that got a headache or or something, and they don't get healed? What if they do? What if I step out of my comfort zone and try to do something for God and it fails. Listen, I would rather fail trying than to not try at all. That's why a lot of people don't answer the call of God. They think, well, what if? Doesn't work. What if? What if? When I went to learn Spanish 25 years ago, I, I, what if I don't learn God? What if, I, what if I can't comprehend? What if I can't speak it? Well, I went and I do got to conquer that fear how many of you today have learned that you've got a talent that was suppressed by fear and now you're walking in that talent you thought I mean think back to the time when you were a a child and you got on that bike you said I can't ride this bike you had those training wheels on and they took the training wheels off and you started riding and you didn't fall you thought man that wasn't that hard that wasn't that big of a deal That's how life is. That's how the things of God are. God is asking us just to step out of our comfort zone sometimes and defeat that fear. I believe there's some people here this morning that have fear in your family tree. Fear of heart attack, fear of cancer, fear of tumors, fear of of maybe an addiction. That's how my mom was. That's how my dad was. That's what they died of. That's what they did. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of love and of power and a sound mind. 
I speak to that lie of the devil this morning and I tell you, you shall live. The devil's a liar. Resist him and he'll flee. We're going to pray in just a moment and I believe some people are going to be delivered and they're going to defeat fear this morning. They're going to walk out of here bold as a lion. But how many in this place this morning have never made Jesus the Lord of your life? You've never said, Jesus, I... I I'm, I've been trying to do this too long on my own. Today's the day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you control. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I know all these things will be added unto me. How many would say, Pastor, I'm not saved today. My name is not in the Lamb's book of life. And you want prayer this morning. Would you just lift your hand up and say, that's me. I, I want to be saved. Because that's the most important thing we do in this service. Is we make sure that we know Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's King. He's Master. He died on the cross for our sins. If you're here and, and he's, he's in your heart and he, your name's in that book and you're saved, then the question for you is, are you doing everything God wants you to do or is fear holding you back? Fear of failure. Fear of death. Fear of the unknown. Are those things paralyzing you and causing you not to fulfill God's will for your life? Today, we want to pray for you. We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to begin to sing a song. And as we begin to sing this song, I want you to stay focused on, on what God is doing here. Remember, 400 times the word fear is in the Bible. 365 times says don't fear. We're going to open the altars here. If you want to defeat fear, if you are battling that spirit of fear, we want to pray for you this morning. Some people really got a touch this morning in this first service. And I believe there's some people in this second service that are going to get touched today. Because fear has paralyzed you. Might not even be able to tell, but it's paralyzing you. And today, God wants to help you. So we're going to open up these altars. If you want to find a place to pray, you can pray at your seat, whatever you want to do. But as we begin to sing, please, I want you to, open, I want you to come to these altars.